This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show and another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our weekly show in which I'm joined by a guest. And today I'm very happy to be joined by the one, the only Kevin Campbell. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Hi, Tom. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Very busy. Arsenal are keep the Arsenal are mm. keeping me busy. Yes, yes, they certainly are, and there's there's lots of us, to, uh, there's lots of things for us to talk about for sure. Um, just uh, just initially though, I do want to get kind of your your thoughts and your feelings about how you are around the result from Friday. It wasn't the best start to the season. Was you shocked by what you saw, or was it a little bit expected? Um, well, after after hearing Aubameyang and and Lacazette weren't going to be involved. Mm. I was a bit apprehensive about what's going to happen because you, you know what you're going to get from Brentford. Brentford are going to be going for it. The first yeah. game, they're going to be up for it. They're going to be high. You need all your experience then. That's that's the reason you have experienced players. And no disrespect to Martinelli and, and Balogun. They're very talented players, but they're not exactly starters in our team. And I know, you know certain people in the fan base want to give them a chance. But you know, as well as I do, Tom, football's about experience. You have mm. to have some experience in being able to handle these things. The opposition have to respect you and be wary of you. And the opposition, if it was Lacazette and Aubameyang, they would be wary of, of those two players. But I think Balogun and uh, Martinelli and, and all of our players, to be attacking players, we just didn't have enough. And we, we played... We played okay up until the last third, but I think mm. we could have still been playing there till now and we still wouldn't have scored, Tom. So that then adds more pressure um, to you. And then uh, I thought certain players didn't play great. Um, I thought Pablo Mari had a nightmare and didn't do the basics well. I thought Leno was too busy complaining to the referee as opposed to going and, and dealing with, the, especially the long throw in um, which goalkeepers should do because they could use their arms they've got hands you know you could make a difference there so again disappointing 
got bullied it to a point with, with the physicality of Brentford. But if we haven't really got a threat at the top end of the pitch, Tom, mm. in, in the Premier League, you're going to struggle to win. Well, I want to pick your brains on this part, really, because obviously as a former striker, uh, you would have had games where you know that you've got to feed off the service that you're getting. And I felt, in, from my perspective, I don't think it would have changed a lot. It would in regards to kind of the experience in the dressing room. But the actual output of the strikers, I feel like we're very restricted at the moment because we're just not creating. So as a striker, did you have those games where you necessarily couldn't do more yourself. You just didn't get that service. How did you, did you ever have those games? <laughs> Tom, I had loads of them games, <laughs> uh, if I'm honest with you. I, yeah. I had loads of them games, Tom, but the, but the key is, like anyone will tell you, is to find a way. Yeah. You know, the, the, the song One Nil to the Arsenal came about because whatever happened, we'd find a way. We'd, we'd nick a goal. Mm. And because we were so disciplined defensively, and then you had to go to the back four. And then when you pass the back four, you had to beat the goalie. It was so difficult for the opposition to actually get a goal. But you have to find a way in these games or you don't lose. You, you go there, you take a nil-nil and you, 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 you dust yourself off and you move on. But unfortunately, we're not that team anymore. We're not that mentality. We haven't got... We, have, we just haven't got it anymore, Tom. Who's which is that? why which is why we're expecting wholesale changes, really, in the yeah, summer. We are, yeah. You know, we are. And, and we said, you know, at the end of last season, Mikel Arteta and Ed is going to have to get going because there has to be a serious turnover of this squad. We've signed three players. It's, it's, been, it's been horrendous. You said the mentality is a bit... And obviously, you it's say you same. go out there and you, it's not the same. But do, who do no. you... Does, does the buck stop with Arteta? or Because I know... It's yeah, important. Uh, oh, Tom, Tom, look, the buck stops with the manager whether we like it or not. Yeah. I think Arteta, myself, and if it wasn't Arteta and it was another manager coming into this situation, they're behind us, they're behind, they're snookered as they come in because there's so many things going on in the, in the club, mm -hmm. legacy stuff, that really is hindering us now. You might say, like what? We, the only asset we could sell was Willock. Yeah. What, what about all our other assets? We got other players I'll, who I'll we had to loan out. Yeah. It's been crazy. So that's legacy. That isn't Arteta's doing. That's right. been the legacy of what's gone in the past. So he's got to deal with that. He's got to try and build the mentality of the team. There's so many different things that we have to do. And if we're honest, we lack experience as well. We do. We really do lack experience. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been writing about this today. The fact you, you look at your Chelsea's, your United, your Cities, your Liverpool's, in those squads are players of 28 years and over that are integral to the starting eleven. Now, Arsenal have got players that are over 28 and over. You've got Kalasinac, you've mm. got El Nenny. You've got Granite Xhaka. You've got Cedric. You've got these guys that are experienced, but they're not crucial. Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, James Milner, massive figures in that team and are used in the first team. You go to Chelsea and you look at Antonio Rudiger, that's now 28. Thiago Silva, that's 36, has been brought in. Kante's 30. Jorginho's 29. You go into Manchester United and you've got 
older players like Juan Mata and Nemanja Matic, but you've also got Pogba that's now 28 and very experienced. Fred's 28. No matter what you think of them, they are still criminal. How old's, how old's the goalkeeper? De Gea's got to be 30. going up yeah. there now. Yeah. See, so there's experience in that squad. Cavani, experience. 34. You know, yeah. when you look throughout the vein of that, there are experienced players who could help the youngsters. Mm. Where's where's that? Where's the help for our youngsters? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you talk about the psychology of when we get linked to certain players, now you may have seen obviously the right back situation. I want to talk a bit about Bellerin too. Mm. Looks like he's going. One of the longest serving players in the Arsenal squad at the moment, and he's going to go. So whether whatever anyone thinks of Bellerin, it's still a key member of that dressing room that's been there a while gone. Now. I've been very much on the train of saying a Max Aarons or an Emerson, quite young guys, and I think they yeah. are good. But then this link with Kieran Trippier comes up, right? A guy that's 30. He turns 31 mm. next month. And I myself, when I saw that link, just initially just thought, not for me, 30, 31, I'm not interested. But now I sit back and I reflect and go, look, this Arsenal team needs these experience, Needs experience. And when that back line's Tierney, who's 24, Gabriel, 23, Ben White, 23, mate, a 31-year-old in that back line is actually going to be quite beneficial. And he's quality as well. Tom, I've watched him all of last season covering the mm. Liga. And he had a really, really good season. Um, his defensive duties were mm. spot on. Obviously, they went on to win the La, La Liga title. And he was a key part of that defence. Yeah. Um, uh, very good player. The fact that he's he's played across the road, up, up up the road, I don't care. What we need is somebody who can defend and and do the job. I don't care his age. We need players who can play and do the job. He's good going forward, and he's a great crosser of the ball. You know what mm. more? That's what we need. We need players who are functional who could do their jobs. Because you know what, Tom, when you look at the Brentford game. We couldn't even do the basics right a lot of the time. And that's why we end up losing. Because the first thing you've got to do when you cross that white line, it's me against my opponent. I've got to better him. And the more of those things happen across the pitch, you, you stand a better chance. And I know we're a bit light because of what happened with, I'm sure we're going to discuss the Aubameyang-Lacazette situation. Of course. But, yeah. you know, when you, when you actually look at man for man and team for team, yeah, individually, you could say, yeah, we are better than them, but it's... You have to be better than your opponent on the day. And we just weren't. So we now go into, obviously, this game against Chelsea. And we'll get onto the game a little bit. But as you said there, we still look like we're going to have two key figures unavailable for that game. And in that striking department, you've got options of of Martinelli, Balogun, or, or even Pepe that can maybe play that role if you're forced into. But I do want to pick your brain on the Aubameyang-Lacazette situation. It's very conspiracy theory right now. It, it certainly is. Um, and I, I I don't know, I never used to kind of buy into social media and looking at kind of players' social media patterns. But is it just me or is am I, I might be going crazy. This window has driven most Arsenal fans crazy. Mm. But both players are very active on their social feeds. Aubameyang's a very social guy. He loves to mm. post pictures of himself in different scenarios, different supercars, whatever you like. And it is complete radio silence. And I just feel like if things were fine... Would you not think there'd be might post a picture on the match day that they weren't able to play and say, good luck, lads, gutted to not be there, smash it? Like, am I going mad thinking that that's not no, something? No, Go you're on. not. Tom, look, yeah. this is where social media works works for you and against you. Because when uh, Aubameyang had malaria, there was, there was reporting social media posts, etc., 
The club mm. came out and said it. Aubameyang, I think there was a picture of him, you know, laid up or whatever. So, it, yeah. you, so then the Arsenal, the, the Arsenal fan base, all the Gooners could then say, you know, get well soon. We, we know, fair enough. Mm. But it was match day. It was the day of the game and both players, all of a sudden, were ousted from the team. Now, yeah. I'm hearing reports that they have COVID. Right. And the match was in doubt and the Arsenal squad had to take tests. Right. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So why the, why the radio silence? If they've got COVID, that won't stop them posting. And, and clubs typically publish that. Come info. out and say yeah. it gets reported. Yeah. You know, two Arsenal players have got COVID. And then we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We will know who it is, etc. Something is a right, Tom. Something isn't right. And you know what? I smell a rat somewhere going on that. Uh, there's a bad smell coming from Arsenal and it's not good. And these things tend to happen when things are not rosy in the garden. When things are going well, you never hear these things come out. But when things ain't rosy in the garden, Tom, all of these rumours and there's moles and then there's all sorts of things going on. <laughs> you think the average would collapse the amount of moles we've had at the club? Exactly. We've had that many moles. It should be a mound, shouldn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's been crazy. It has. And it's it's frustrating, obviously, as a fan. And you go into a brand new season, you want these players to be available and you don't want this drama surrounding things because you want things to be settled. And I really went into this campaign to kind of turn over a new slate and said, look, this is whatever I thought of the the manager situation at the end of last season. I'm going to go into this campaign and just you know I'm going to accept it for what it is, and we'll just treat it as a brand new slate. And it already was tarnished with the Brentford game and with the controversy around that situation, and with the failure to act in the transfer window. It's been it's very hard for Arsenal supporters to really get up for the next game, especially when we've got two incredibly tough games going up. And one of the key positions, as well as that striking role. Kev is, is this right back position. Now, we just touched upon Trippier there. He started Callum Chambers against Brentford. He then brought on a backup left back when having three natural right backs, or I say three natural, but you've got Cedric Bellerin and then Ainsley Maitland Niles, who is a easily natural right back at times. Three options, and he brings the backup left back on because, in my mind, and I've used this example a lot, there was a moment around the 70th minute where Reese Nelson took the ball in from across from Kieran Tierney. He spun, he turned, and he passed instinctually into space. And no one was there. Callum Chambers was not there. He was mm -hmm. he was out on his feet by the 60th minute. And I think that's why we made the change arguably too late in the game. And it, it's clear that we need someone more offensive than Callum Chambers. He adds to us defensively, but we, we need someone that's able to get up the field like Kieran Tini does in that left up hand Up and side. down. Yep. Yeah. Get up and so down. What, what's your plan? If you're in Arteta's shoes, what's your plan for the Chelsea game and, and the right back position? Well, the right-back position, as we know, is always a difficult position when yeah. you don't have a, a real recognised right-back. I know Bellerin's been there for years. Chambers has done a the job there. Maitland-Niles has done it, done it, but he don't want it. Mm. And, and, and Cedric is in and out. And I think um, Mikel Arteta's trust of him went while he was playing on the other side in the Europa League mm. um, quarter-final. He gave if, the ball if, away, didn't he? Yeah, gave the ball away and got the equaliser. And uh, I think that was, we never really saw Cedric after that no. um, last season. So I think it's a, it's a trust issue. Maybe he just wanted to get um, 
you know, Tavares on the pitch because I, I don't know. Do you know what? There's a lot of player power that goes about, Tom. Mm. And player power is is not good. It is not good. They've, 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 Wenger got the sack. Emery got the sack. Freddie took it over for a little bit. And even he had issues mm. with certain players. Yeah. And, and now... Mikel Arteta, there's, there's shouts that there's problems with players and all that, with player power. Not that he's lost the dressing room, but there's just no. infighting going on on the inside tub. And you know what? Player power isn't good because if, if players are the ones who are... If the tail doesn't wag the dog, the dog wags the tail. Sure. Now, if the players are the ones who's going to be dictating to the manager, we are, we are in a bad, bad, bad place. Do you think some of that falls, like, it, coming from a player perspective, was there ever times under George Graham or any other coach that you were under that, you, you as players, you weren't necessarily agreeing with what was going on? Is it is that fall on the on the manager to not have kind of more of an... Because I, I get the sense that there's kind of a very my way or the highway kind of situation with Arteta and there's no... He's not very malleable to other ideas or to suggestions. Is it from a player perspective, you want to be heard? You want to be kind of, you know, open to discussion, have your ideas said? Or is it very much, no, manager's the manager and you do as he says? Um, Tom, look, when, you, when you're involved with the, with a football club like the mm. Arsenal, the players are big players. And the players do have a voice to the manager. Because the first person that goes through is the captain. Yeah. <laughs> and the scene oh. and the and the senior players, yeah, because there is a hierarchy. Really those. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, well, this is the point. Now, mm. I, I, when I look at Mikel Arteta, he wants to do it his way. Mm. I look at George Graham. George Graham, you reckon there was any any wiggle room in George Graham? But here's no. the thing, though, Tom. Whenever we needed to have a chat as a as a squad and the manager, we did. Mm. Whether he took it on board, Tom, is another thing. But at least we got we had the team meeting. Usually if we're at Coney, we go into the, the, the physio's room. All of us will be in the physio's room and we'll all have a chat or we chat outside. You saw the chat he had with the team. You've probably seen it, you know, yeah. after after docking points and all that kind of thing. Mm. He'd read the riot act or we'd, we'd say what we've got to say if things weren't going right. That is what a team is. But the, at the end of the day, it's the manager who sets who sets the tempo. Now, if you don't if you have players who are on board and then one foot out, Tom, we're in a bad, bad place. Mm. Because everybody, it's either you're on board or you're not. And I, I truly believe we have some players who are not fully on board. Is that a recoverable situation for a manager? Is that can you come back from that if, if that is the case? Because I'm not uh, sure you can if it's well, that embedded. And, and we've seen like with Genduzi, with Saliba, like there's been previous issues. And if this is perpetuating through into even more senior members of the squad, I'm not sure you can come back from that. Well, here's the here's the problem though, Tom. Mm. The fan base are Arteta out right now. You take Arteta out sure, and you're bringing yeah. another manager. And what happens when some of them don't like the new manager? Yeah. Again, this player power 
it's good in the sense that the, the, the boys are together, but it moving forward and what we want them to do, we want, do you know what we want, Tom? If you tell me if I'm wrong, you want to be able to, when you go to a game or when you watch an Arsenal game, you can trust what's going out there on the pitch. One, not mm. to get bullied. Two, to have a right goal. And three, to win some football matches. Mm. That, that's all you can ask for. You're not going to win all the time, but you no. want to be able to trust that's what you're going to get. And we don't get that. So no. this, this player power thing, Arteta, they could sack Arteta, but the new guy coming in might not be, might be worse. Because for me, because for me, the, the, I look at this situation and go, it's harder for Arteta because one, this is his first job. He's a young guy. I think he turns 40 very soon, if not already. And as a player, he, he wasn't like a high caliber. He wasn't like a world-class, well-renowned player that can command that respect of say others. And I'm not saying that all amazing players go on to make great, like go on to make great mm. managers. Like we see Thierry Henry is struggling in coaching. Patrick Vieira's only just got his first Premier League job and, you know, had his issues elsewhere. Mm. And I'm not saying that, but when you've got huge personalities like an Aubameyang, like your Lacazettes, et cetera, and you've got this young coach that's 18 months into his, his tenure, do you think a coach who was to come in and say, I mean, Antonio Conte is, a, is an available name. I'm not saying that he would join the Arsenal. But in my view, when you consider the factors with both coaches, surely a manager with that pedigree did, like, would garner that appreciation, that kind of, you know, onboardness from those players, more so than a, a coach of a profile of Arteta's. Yeah, you, you are probably right, Tom. But let me just go back a couple of mm. years. We had a coach, a very good coach in Unai Emery yeah. at the helm. The, the dressing room got him the sack. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Because it wasn't that he was a bad manager. He was a decent manager. And yeah, yeah. there were some things that had to be fixed within the team, like the midfield and defence at times. But you know what? We were scoring goals. We were playing decent football. There was a certain ad adjustment at halftime that he put in place and we're kind of a second half team. We kind of came back mm. into a lot of the games, but it was ultimately that dressing room and that player power that ultimately got him the sack. Yeah. The five captains didn't work, etc. but he's a very experienced manager. And we've seen, he does a good job at Villarreal, knocked us out last year, went on to beat Manchester United in the final, just lost on penalties in the super cup. So he is a very capable manager. And the players got him the sack. Mm. So we've had experience. So we can't say, would a more experienced player, would this not happen? The key to it is everybody has to be on the same, same road. We can't have one in, one out, one foot in, one arm in, you know. No, we've all got to be on the same and we've, we have to believe in what the manager is asking us to do. If everybody believes, I tell you, this this thing could get could move forward, but at, the way it is now, to me, it just seems like there's so many different moving parts. Yeah, and there is, and we still don't have, in my mind, what is going to be our squads at the end of the transfer window, and and things are still going to change, and there's uncertainty about positions. And if you're if you're a Cedric, if you're an Abamyang, if you're a midfielder, if you're a Burnt Leno. You know from the reports that are out there that your position is not like necessarily secure, that Arsenal are linked with keepers and right-backs and midfielders and strikers. 
And that in itself, the uncertainty of not sorting out the team ahead of the new campaign and so that everyone's knowing what their future and short-term future is going to be in itself also creates a bit of animosity and that distrust between the manager who's very involved in transfers and that they're not. And we've heard from Mainsley Maitland-Niles himself from the interview he conducted back in, I think it was uh, start of July uh, with, with, I think it was the Telegraph, talking about how he had heard nothing from the coach about his kind of what would happen with him this summer. So we know there's a lack of communication, a lack of clarity for those players. For the fan base, we're very torn on a lot of the players that are being linked with the club. And one of the biggest ones, of course, at the moment is a player that reportedly today is revived interest from Arsenal in Aaron Ramsdale. And it looks to be, anyway, that the minimum that Arsenal will end up spending on a keeper, which, if we remember, is designed to be a backup to Bernd Leno right now, at the present day, is 24 million quid. And 24 million quid, in the context of Arsenal desperately needing to improve their right-back, needing to improve their attacking midfield, and possibly their striking situation, is a lot of money to invest in a position that's not going to be influencing the game week in, week out. So well, you, you say that, you Tom, Tom, you say that, Mm. But will Burnt Leno be the number one? It's a very good point. So do you think it's worth spending £24 million on a keeper that could oust Burnt Leno yes, from the position? Of, yeah, I do. I think it's important to 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 get a, a more than capable keeper in because we've seen the Runnersons of this world come in and who's not quite ready. Mm. It actually hinders us. It makes you it makes you scared. If anything were to happen to the first keeper, yeah, you know, and, and God forbid something happened to Leno, we haven't got another keeper in. We've got young lads. Mm. It's 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 not right, Tom. So. Is Ramsdale the man though? Is that's that's the question? Is, are you confident in him? No, I'm not. I'm not confident in him. Why? But listen, I've not seen enough of him, Tom. Right. To be honest, I don't know the player enough. I know he's been at Sheffield, mm. who got relegated, but. They've had a lot to do. <laughs> Sheffield, <laughs> the problem with Sheffield from the first season to the next season was mm. they couldn't score. What, what happened in the first season when they were up, they were going in front. And when they were going in front, they could rely on that back that back three and the midfield. They'll knuckle down and then they'll, they'll play counter-attack football. They were getting away with it. But when you can't score, Tom, it's so difficult to win in this league the mm. Premier League, because the As opposition, we <laughs> well, the opposition yeah. will get you at some stage. Mm. And the second year kind of, it, it just panned for them, didn't it? And, and unfortunately, he was, he was the, the goalkeeper that couldn't keep any team out, really. But is he a capable goalkeeper? People speak highly of him. Mm. But I've got to say, I don't know enough about the, the, the young man. And if they're looking to spend that sort of money, he must be half, half decent. You would hope. He has started. He has started. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He has yeah. played. So look, we, look, we might be pleasantly surprised, Tom. I really hope we are. I mean, I've done but, some research. I'm going to do some more. We'll see. But you know what? But you know what, Tom? Here's what I would say: If we're going to spend 24 million, we might as well go all out and spend a bit more on on on, on a more recognised keeper like a, a Tom Pope. Go to Burnley and make them an offer they can't refuse. Do you know what I mean? Go and do yeah, something that's going to make great, a yeah. difference. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 100, I know exactly what you mean. And I think that I've always been very, very critical of the way Arsenal spend money. And that's always been the biggest crux of Arsenal's recruitment is the way they, they spend it and the way that they 
move players on and the money they get for those players. And we've arguably done a bad job over the course of the last decade and a bit mm. in that area. So, so when you see £24 million for a keeper, when we've already got Burnt Leno, and I know I take your point that he is someone that's questionable and that if we could look to upgrade on, sure. But when you see other areas of the pitch that you think when we've got limited funds, which we're kind of led to believe there's limited resources, that we need attacking midfield, we need right back, and we maybe need a central midfield or forward as well, it's a lot of money to go for that goalkeeper position. I don't think yeah. I'd be particularly happy if we did Ramsdale for 24 and and Erdogan say, it looks like Erdogan's a, a likely deal that we can get done, and nothing else. If, if nothing else comes in bar those two, I would think that We that's... need loans. <laughs> we're going to have to loan players. Oh, the loan market. <laughs> we're going to have to loan... Listen, we're going to have to... Because when you think about yeah. it, Tom, our squad is so thin. It's, it's, it's Can we so afford thin. it to be thinner? Can we afford that with no European football? Well, the problem for us is hmm. the so-called players who were not going to play, we can't get rid of. Yeah. You know, shocking, vid shocking photos coming out on Friday. You know, there we are getting stuffed at Brentford and there's Lucas Torreira at Disney <laughs> World. You know... <laughs> Oh, you can't get more Arsenal 2021 than that. That's yeah, peak. well, th that just shows you that the clubs, the clubs, the, the, the mentality is all over the place. We're, it's not right. It's not. It's not. We have a couple of minutes left, Kevin. I want to kind of get a prediction from you on two things. First of all, I want to get a prediction from you on the Chelsea game. And I want to get a prediction from you for how many players you think we're going to see join the club before. I'm not going to ask you for names. That's unfair. But yeah. I'll ask you for a number. So tell me how many players you think will get in and give me a prediction for Chelsea. I, I think... Uh, Three players. We're not going to do enough. I think we'll get three players in. And um, prediction for Chelsea. Mm. <laughs> Lukaku's just just putting his boots on at the I moment. Think, yeah. You know, it's... Um, listen, I, I, honestly, I always like to be positive, Tom, but I, I just can't be at the moment. I can't see anything other than a Chelsea victory. You know, mm. the beat us in pre-season with our full, virtually full squad out with Thomas Partey going off. It was playing brilliant in that game, by the way. Mm. And um, we are weaker than that. So I, I just can't see it. I'd love to be surprised, but I just can't see it. We did the double over him last season and we got a very fortunate win at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> very fortunate. So I'll, I'll take another 1-0 like that at, at, the, at the Emirates, I tell you. Jeez. Take a 1-1. One -one. <laughs> yeah, I love anything from that game. Anyway, Kev, thank you ever so much for taking the time out of your evening to come on the channel again. Really appreciate your time, mate. No problem, Tom. Thanks again. Tell people where they can find you. Hey, listen, you could find me at one Kevin Campbell on Twitter and Instagram or at the Highbury Squad. And I'm on at eight o'clock tonight. So David Hillier's on with, with me Fantastic. and Sophie. So it'd That's be a good one. Please do go check out the Hybrid Squad. We, of course, had Sophie on the show the other day. So you know how good the channel is already. So make sure you check it out. Thank you, Chatbox, everyone that's been tuning in. Apologies that we didn't get to go through any questions. We had a lot to talk about. And uh, we'll be answering plenty of those questions in tomorrow's 8 a.m. show. Kev, I know you're a fan of the 8 a.m. shows. I am. And, uh, I certainly am, yeah. Because <laughs> I've, I've been up a few hours, so I always tune in amazing stuff thank you so much mate and of course if you like kev enjoy our shows please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on look out for some fantastic content coming the way on football london as well and we'll see you tomorrow morning it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys as always and as always up the arsenal
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.